Coming up on Tech Thing, looks like November is new laptop month. Synology's disk station manager 6.0 hands-on. What fresh email hell is this? Do Wi-Fi extenders slow down your network? CISA kind of sucks. A cheap over-the-air DVR and Shannon's forbidden otter lust. It's all coming up on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. We're brought to you by viewers just like you. Thank you so much. I'm Patrick Norton. <laughs> and this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. Mushy mushy, which <laughs> I can do because I've eaten a lot of sushi. Um. <laughs> I was talking about dyeing my hair rainbow colors when I go to Japan next year because it's totally happening. I think that's going to just get you way too much attention. <laughs> It'll be fun. Oh my goodness. Harajuku, here she comes. Yay! First reviews Microsoft Surface Pro 4 are out. Great screen, excellent build quality, keyboard and trackpad. And Antec says it's the best workhorse productivity tablet. It's and pretty. It's pretty. And almost everybody says it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, I think it was ours, Peter Bright, who said it ain't cheap, but it is pretty. So let me break this down for you. If you look at the Microsoft Surface Pro 4, page. It starts at $899. That's with four gigabytes of RAM, a 128 gigabyte SSD, uh, and a Core M processor for $899. Ooh. So spend another hundred bucks, spend a thousand dollars, and get the Core i5 processor. Now, okay. if you want it to be usable, i.e. get at least eight gigabytes of RAM in the oh, machine, yeah. you're jumping the price to $1,299. But hey, you also get a 256 gigabyte SSD. Moving up to a Core i7 with 16 gigs of RAM gets you to the $1,800 price Ooh. ranges, and it keeps going Ouch. from there. Yeah, it's kind of like Apple's new iMacs. Microsoft is making a ton of money whenever you select your larger RAM, larger solid state drive. Yeah, well like Fuck. they're roughly double, like what I would pay for RAM in a store, yeah. you're paying roughly double on the machine. You're paying for, yeah. For them, we and it's the brand, funny. the labor, and somebody like physically putting it in the machine. Yeah, well, the, well, it's, it seems to all be soldered. I thought these were going to be user upgradable, but it's starting to look oh, like it is soldered on the motherboard. So order large. I'm still trying to get a definitive answer on that from Microsoft. While we're talking convertibles, I got to get hands on with Lenovo's Yoga 900 laptop. I might steal this thing. Yeah, yesterday <laughs> their new flagship, and while the watch band hinge looks pretty slick, yeah. Have you, you've seen this. There's I have seen it, yeah. Yeah. I was totally <laughs> drooling over this while you were hanging out with Lenovo. It feels really <laughs> solid. Um, it's actually, it's 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 just, it's in the roots, really nice hinge. Yeah. Uh, that said, hinge aside, I'm more stoked that it packs a Core i5 or Core i7 CPU up from the Core M chips in last year's Yoga 3 Pro. Starts with a 256 gigabyte SSD, a 13 inch 3200 by 1800 touchscreen. You can get 16 gigabytes of RAM in it. It's on sale now. It starts at $1,200 with a 6th gen Core i7, 8 gigs of RAM, and a 256 gigabyte SSD. Wow. In gold, silver, or clementine orange. Oh, they always go for the orange, don't they? They love their orange. <laughs> I like the there. orange. It looks good. It well, looks good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. oops, if I click on the right part of the picture, you'll actually be able to see it. So, you know, it's their classic, like, oh, it's a tent, it's a demo unit, So what, it's about, a what about battery life? They're claiming around nine hours, which is, if, if it's true, it's like an hour and a half longer than last year's top-of-the-line yoga. Okay, not going to lie. 
kind of want that. You were so funny. She's, she's texting me like, heart, 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 heart. I want <laughs> the shiny. Pigs, the, more pigs, must have all the pigs. <laughs> it, well, I gotta, I gotta say, keyboard felt fantastic. Cool. Really good, uh, really good trackpad on that. So, and $1,200 with a Core i7 and eight gigabytes of RAM and a 256 gigabyte drive is an excellent start. So I expect we'll see a review from you? We are trying, we are waiting. We have asked Lenovo to send us a review unit. Awesome. And, it's, it's it's crazy. Like I don't know if we clearly stated it, but it seems like all of the Skylake laptops will be descending in November. Awesome. So if you're thinking about buying a laptop, you might want to wait a couple, three weeks more. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Apple, turns out Apple's actually joining the fight against CISAR or CISA, which is the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act, uh, just a couple of days before the Senate is due to vote on the bill, which is either about securing America against hackers. Yeah. <laughs> or if you ask Google, Facebook, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, gosh, who Microsoft else is, on that is list? in there. They're all the members of the Computer and Communications Industry Associations. Uh, Dropbox, yeah. Mozilla, Wikipedia, Adobe, Dell, Oracle. Well, yeah. there's a lot. It's of funny, them. like like the entire CCIA, a bunch of companies who who aren't part of the CCIA are all basically saying this bill makes mass online surveillance of U.S. citizens way too easy. Yeah. Of course, the bill's sponsors, such as California's very own Diane Feinstein, aka the Senate Intelligence Committee's ranking member, told the Washington Post. Tuesday that the bill simply allow companies to share information on cyber threats with the government, not personal data. Well, the Post then quotes Senator Ron Wyden from uh, Oregon, quote, sharing information about cybersecurity threats is a worthy goal, yet if you share more information without strong privacy protections, millions of Americans will say this is not a cybersecurity bill, it is a surveillance bill, which mm. is a really good observation because I've noticed here in the United States, the government errs to the side of taking all the data. Oh yeah, of course and they then do. Yeah, and, and if we need that approved, we'll set up a private secret court system. Not that I have an opinion about that. <laughs> now, we do do a show called ThreatWire, which we talk about all this stuff on, so check that out at ThreatWire.net. Yeah. And of course, if you guys have opinion on it, read up on the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act, contact your senators, like, probably today. <laughs> the bill looks like it has enough bipartisan support to pass the Senate, and the White House is also in favor of it, so. It's an yeah. important thing to keep your eye on. Yeah, th this one's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's, it, it's also interesting to look at like the corporations that are in favor of it. Yeah. You know, Comcast, AT&T, Verizon. It is Verizon, kind of funny. Yeah. All the people isn't who Isn't it ironic? Isn't it, isn't it <laughs> ironic? Oh, wait, so I, I know you have that. a lot of opinions. I know you were supposed to do an elementary mm -hmm. OS review this week. Well, it turns out when you, haven't, when you haven't spent a lot of quality time with Ubuntu in a while, it's hard to decide what's Ubuntu and what's <laughs> elementary OS. So what you're saying is I should review it. No, no, I'm going to review it, but uh, it's it's going to be next week. I okay. promise. It's just it was it was funny. I got into it and I was like, oh wow, what's this? What's this? Like I haven't run Ubuntu for more than an hour at a pop in like a year. Oh really? Yeah. So. Oh man, it's so good. They've well, done a lot of up upgrades to it. It's a really yes, good they app. have. It's changed. <laughs> and I got to say though, elementary OS, it's more than just a pretty face. It is. It's Although the face is really pretty. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. All right. Well, maybe you can help out Don over in Portland. He I'll had try. a question for us. Um, he says, hello, Patrick and Shannon. Recently, I have been getting email notices for online accounts that I have not <laughs> signed up for. And Patrick laughs. Some of these are the usual email confirmations needed in order to set up an account. And some are, welcome. Here is how to use the site emails. I have been playing whack-a-mole trying to get these accounts deleted. Sometimes they get recreated. 
When this happens, I use the password reset feature and take over the account. Yes. On one such, I looked at the account profile and learned that the person who created the account has the same name as me but lives in Nebraska and was born in 2001. He always uses my email address or one modified with a period in the name to the left of the at gmail.com, which Gmail sees as my address but which is seen as a distinct email address on a number of sites. I know from accounts that I have signed up for in the past that emails are not always sent on account creation. Is there a way to find all or most or many or some accounts that have been set, set up using my email address or a variation thereof? Thanks from Don in Portland. Whew. Yeah. Patrick loves this question. Oh my goodness. First of all, the only way to find out all of the accounts that your email has been signed up for is to go to every site on the internet that accepts signups or emails and to try to apply. That's the problem with the ones that don't send you confirmation. <laughs> that will take a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> This is why I will eventually leave Gmail. So if you search around the internet, you can find websites that search census data to figure out how many people have the same name as yours. In my case, it's a few hundred. Uh, in your case, Don, it's a much smaller group, maybe six. I, I have Don's last name from his oh, okay. email. <laughs> See, the problem is, is all it takes is one I'll use the word unfortunate human to say forget the initial in their email, Patrick T. Norton, or the number, uh, Patrick Norton three, or for the person on the phone to hear Gmail instead of Ymail and suddenly you're having a panic attack because you think somebody's stolen your credit card number and ordered several hundred dollars worth of surf gear in New Hampshire. <laughs> or you're receiving dozens of emails from movers in Dallas trying to give you quotes you didn't ask for for a move you're not making in a state you don't live in. By the way, no, I won't mention that. Or college <laughs> applications responses, uh, private mortgage data, uh, questions about whether or not a student is cheating between a professor and a TA, naming oh all gosh. of the names. Um, did I mention the private mortgage data, including all of their financial data? Or you'll find yourself in an email chain with a former Secretary of State. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that was an interesting <laughs> one. Or, in my case, what really triggered this, for the first time ever, I got a ton of spam. All because some jerk made a mistake and couldn't remember mm. that he was on like Ymail instead of Gmail, or yeah. that he had a middle initial in his name, or that, or perhaps his spouse, or mother, or father, or girlfriend, or schoolmate used the wrong email address, which happens a lot. Somebody gets the email address and it gets propagated. It and suddenly you find yourself in an email thread with a bunch of people you don't know talking about a subject you don't want to know about that should be kept private. Side note, Gmail does not recognize periods. When it, mm -hmm. it basically an email hits Gmail servers, uh, dot dot dude dot love dot tech is the same thing as don dude love tech or don dude love dot tech. Um, it strips all the periods out. Most other systems don't work that way. So honest mistakes are one thing, but I suspect the 14-year-old Nebraska is doing something much more irritating, using your Gmail account to get access to websites he doesn't want to use his own address for. You're his spam account. So your best bet, i.e. the one that will actually make this problem go away, at least for a while, is to buy a domain and migrate your life off of Gmail, yo, domain.com. If you're not up for that, you can search confirm your email with quotes or, and then without uh, to search to see what other email confirmation mm. uh, emails you've missed or, or e confirmation emails you've missed. Uh, or you can spend like 80 hours a week for the next few months manually picking through every email in your inbox, but it still doesn't solve the big part of your problem, which is how do you figure out what sites this little 14-year-old tweaker, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm disparaging the 14-year-old's character because I'm mean, <laughs> apparently, but, but the problem is you can't figure out everything they've signed up for because mm -hmm. not everything has a confirmation email. Um, look, if you're bound and determined to keep your Gmail account, uh, you're probably just going to have to, you, you know, turn it over. 
Let it go. Accept it, it as go. the price of the Gmail service because your email is compromised, not necessarily in a hackery way, but in that you're signed up for stuff you never asked for. So your email is now probably on a zillion of lists you don't want. And some of those lists, thanks 14-year-old, are probably selling your email to other lists and it goes on and on and on. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Oh, <laughs> well, boy. we hope that answered your question. And of course, speaking of people who know all the things about all the no's, Darren. Darren. Today on the show, we are going to be using the Yodstick one yes. to hack wireless remotes with replay attacks. If you guys haven't already checked out last week's episode on Mike Osmond's new HackRF, uh, you know, of HackRF fame, the new dongle for the RF goodness, check it out, follow along. Head over to hack5.org or youtube.com slash hack5, and that's where you'll find all of our other episodes and all the other fun shows we do. It's time for this rapid-fire roundup, which is three viewer questions. Can Patrick answer all of them in under a minute each? Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I don't think it's going to happen. Go! Nick from Marion, Ohio writes, any suggestions for a new graphics card? I just bought a new computer and have no idea what to buy. Price doesn't matter. New to technology. Okay, Nick. One, do you play 3D games? Two, do you work in Adobe Photoshop or Premiere? If the answer to those two is no, just use the graphics that came with the machine, at least until they become a roadblock. Oh. If you need a GPU to play 3D games on a 1080p monitor, I like the NVIDIA GeForce GTX 950 for like 160 bucks. Yeah, if you want to make sure you can max out all the settings at 1080p for a while longer, you might jump up to the GTX 970 for $330. And if we're talking 4K, well, that's a whole different question and a much Bigger price tag. Also, make sure your stuff is compatible with those. Two, Ben emails. Does a good sound card really affect the audio coming out of your speakers? Mm. Ben, I love this question. Answer, it depends. Let's take a look at this glorious device right here, the Element JDS Labs. I'm reviewing it right now. It is amazing. It is $350. Wow. And it's sound, well, it's a DAC and it's a headphone amp. And oh. apparently they're doing a mod so you'll be able to use it to control your home stereo system. It sounds incredible. Here's the problem cool. though. <laughs> One, how good is the sound card that's already in your computer? Mm -hmm. Two, what's your source? Three, how good are your speakers or headphones? Example, if you're listening to FLAC audio ripped from CDs using a really high quality ripping tool over a pair of B&W speakers, you're probably a lot more likely to notice the difference a sound card makes than if you're, say, playing YouTube videos of kids lighting things on fire in the backyard, <laughs> recorded on an iPhone 3G, and then uploaded to YouTube. Especially if you're listening to YouTube videos over a twee pair of like eight-year-old computer speakers. Generally speaking, the better the sound card, the better the sound. Though, frankly, you can start to spend a lot more money for very minor improvements. Like if you graph like money spent for improvements or money spent for improvements, it kind of goes like this, then it flattens out. Because oh. the difference between a $1,000 sound card or a $1,000 digital to analog converter and a $5,000 digital analog converter is really small. <laughs> The difference between the one in your computer and a $150 or $300 sound card is probably much more noticeable. Huh. I shouldn't make this gesture on television. <laughs> Andrew in Chico, California says, my parents have recently canceled DirecTV and are now living on Amazon Prime. Yeah, Netflix, yeah, and YouTube, okay. Thanks for watching via Blu-ray player as well as an over-the-air antenna. If you're looking for a DVR that can record shows from an over-the-air antenna, preferably for less than $100, a quick search on Google returned several DVRs for around $300, which is a bit too expensive. Any ideas? Thanks, Andrew hey. and Chico. 
This is what my boy Robert Heron recommends on HeronFidelity.com, which has an awesome section for cord cutters. Mediasonics HW180TB Homeworks. I'm not going to read the rest of that name. Uh, it's Homeworks with an X, by the way. It's $32 on Amazon. <laughs> Robert loves it. It is super easy to set up. There's no subscription. You add an over-the-air antenna. You add a thumb drive or USB hard drive to store the videos on. You're done. Here's the thing. It's single tuner. So you can't watch X while you record Y. That's an advantage of some of the more expensive mm -hmm. options. They also might offer, say, more sophisticated interfaces or the ability to remote control them over the interwebs and stuff like that. But, you know, excuse me, $32.88. Oh. Not, not $32. Watch out for that 88 cents there. People love it. It does the work. If your parents want to watch like, you know, whatever actually shows up on television on Monday night and record Monday night football, you oh, may yeah. need a second antenna. But hey, that's still 30 bucks plus 32 bucks, which is like 62.88, which is a lot less than $300 for a cool. dual tuner DVR. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Email askatechthing.com, please. Ladies and gentlemen, I generally do not recommend you hold up a NAS filled with hard drives <laughs> up in the air and wave it around, but this is the Beyond Cloud by Synology. Shannon's got a review, and we're going to talk a lot about DSM 6.0, which is the new version of the operating system that runs the Synology toys. Yay! I shouldn't, they'll probably get upset toys. that I said toys. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an 8-base Synology NAS in my house. I assure you, it is not a toy. It's fun, though. But that's I, have, a, <laughs> I have the little four bay one. It's so fun. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, redundancy with disks is cool. Yes. So we always cloud. talk about, you know, keeping proper storage, three, two, one backup rule. NASes are a great way to get started in that mm -hmm. for a local backup. Uh, this one in particular is called the Beyond Cloud. It's a network attached storage device. Obviously, it's from Synology and it costs 350 bucks for the version that I'm checking out. Uh, on their website, they also have a couple of other versions. This one is the BC214SE2300 version. It's mirrored, which is super fun, but they also have a couple of smaller ones with a three terabyte drive and a two terabyte hard disk drive. Both plenty of storage. So the really fancy thing about the Beyond Clouds is that these are network attached storage made easy for a broader audience. The nice thing about them is you simply plug in the pre-configured box and it's all pre-configured. It's all pre-installed mm -hmm. so you don't have to do anything into your router with the ethernet cord and then plug it into power, obviously. And then you find it on your network by going to find.synology.com. And after doing this really, really simple like walkthrough of all these online steps, you get to make an account, you get to log in and it guides you through a little quick tutorial of how to actually use the device. So you're saying basically it's more than just a pretty case. It's more than just <laughs> a pretty case, yeah. So <laughs> this one comes pre-installed with a whole bunch of different mm -hmm. stations. And st stations for Synology are basically different, uh, um, different applications that you right. can add to your network attached storage. So there's a video station so you can like stream video. There's a photo station so you can look at all your pretty pictures. A note station, audio station, and then you can add other packages if you want to through a pretty cool package center. Uh, the one that I have right here is equipped with a three terabyte RAID 1 mirror. So it actually has six terabytes in here right. with two different hard drives, but both of those are copied and mirrored. So if one of the drives fails, you have a second backup of all your data on the second drive, which is really, really cool that they have that as a Beyond Cloud offering. Mm -hmm. But you can also get the two, like I said before, with the two terabyte or three terabyte. There's a Marvel Armada 370 CPU not crazy fast, right. but it's for home storage, which is going to get the job done. Uh, <laughs> the speeds that they quote on their site are 60.65 megabits per second. 
uh, writing speed for the RAID 1, and then over 100.28 megabits per second reading. And I did some own tests with transferring video back and forth, and I had pretty comparable speeds to that. Cool. Obviously, it depends a lot on your own network. So if you have a faster network, you're going to get faster read and write times depending on how you're transferring. So did this show up with 6.0, or did you have to do the upgrade? It did not, unfortunately. That would be awesome if it did. But <laughs> no, this, this one came pre-configured with DSM 5.1. It's on! Yay! <laughs> DSM 5.1, that's Synology's older operating system. So to upgrade, I simply had to go into the control panel, choose updates, and then go through a couple of different updates and then let it restart a few times. So Basically I think it took like half an hour total. <laughs> so you clicked, you downloaded it, it installed it, rebooted. Yeah. Speaking of which, I should point out the reason this just sang out and she said it's on is because yeah, I managed to it. pull the cable out, which is a great way to test the you know failure durability of a NAS. <laughs> so <laughs> if it's running. Then it's good. So DSM 6.0 is currently just in beta, so mm -hmm. I had to do a manual update with that. Okay. So I basically just installed the .pat file, I believe it was called, from mm -hmm. the Synology website, and then browsed to it from my NAS, and just chose to update. So <laughs> they, they make it so incredibly easy. I was very impressed with that. So. DSM 6.0. Uh, this is basically what the operating system looks like when you first log into it. This is how you can see all your pretty mm -hmm. GUI and everything. You have your package center, control panel, and yada yada. To upgrade, I just went to the control panel and to check out all the different packages. To install different packages, you just simply go into the package center. Um, they have a whole bunch of new packages, and I will mention those for DSM 6.0 as well. So this update serves 64-bit computing. So that's pretty cool. Up to four gigs of memory that can now be used. Oh, wow. So that means a lot of extra memory for your NAS box for like um, all, all the storage right. and computing that you that's, might need. That's something for the more higher end Synology yeah. product, not necessarily the... But you can use it with this, this mm -hmm. smaller one. Uh, they also added the new packages, like I said, mm -hmm. including storage analyzer, backup and restore. Uh, they have a PHP module. There's a really? web station and a text editor. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So all of those are currently listed as beta and they're asking for people to report bugs if you notice any kind of problems with it. Um, new users can share a petabyte folder, which is huge for <laughs> any of those really, really big archives. Like if you have cold storage of podcasts, for example, you can now have petabyte folders. Petabyte folders. Petabyte. If you have enough drives to hold a petabyte. That's a lot of freaking stuff. Yes. <laughs> You, yeah, if, if you are dealing with petabytes, you're probably oh, yeah. not watching us for your NAS advice. Probably not. <laughs> they also updated the security, which I'm super excited about. Synology is implementing Qualys Vulnerability Management Solution. So that basically means that they'll fix all the issues before anything is made public. Now, in a previous, mm -hmm. I think it was like six months ago or a year ago, something like that, uh, one of their older DSM versions, there was a breach in the version which mm -hmm. allowed a hacker to hold data hostage, basically. Uh, people had to upgrade to be safe from that vulnerability. So now they're using this new implementation to make sure that kind of thing doesn't happen again. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So lastly, they are expanding accessibility features as well with 6.0. They're adding a non-visual desktop access for folks with visual impairments, mm. which I think is really awesome that they're including you know, anybody yeah. with disabilities. That's really, really important. Uh, and they have an entire huge list over on the DSM release notes website for uh, DSM 6.0. There is a ton of newly updated information for the newest operating system for Synology. So. Uh, it does run on several of the uh, 
other series as well, not just the Beyond Cloud. So if you have one of these at home, you're <laughs> probably, probably included with this and you can be a part of the beta too. So this is a beta program. It is, A yeah. NAS is designed to, I mean, in, in theory, it could be like your media server, but generally speaking, a NAS is, you're using a NAS because you don't want to lose your data. Oh, yeah. Are you comfortable with running a beta NAS operating system? Um, I mean, you are, but you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm running this one because I wanted specifically to review it. Mm -hmm. I would personally probably stick with the older models just because betas because are known beta. to have bugs. <laughs> And when it comes to my own personal backups, I don't want that to be a problem for me. Right. Uh, they are actually releasing it in 2016. Okay. So we will see the final release then. Shannon. Um, but if you are interested, if you feel like going for it, you can do the beta. <laughs> and they are giving away a couple of NAS devices too <laughs> for like their top beta reviewers, That's which is awesome. kind of fun. Yeah, well, so it's important to them to make a good product. So I, I appreciate that they're doing it. I mean, as somebody who basically ran the the in crazy, you know, iteration after iteration <laughs> after iteration of Windows 10 on his primary laptop. Uh, I am in favor of beta testing, cool. but you may want to decide if you want to trust a beta operating system. It so what you're saying is stable. make a backup of your backup and then backup all your backups you because I hear you backup. like backups. Three, two, one. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, watch like us. every other episode. Yeah. Technically. <laughs> Hey, we got a question from Carlos. He asked, have you done a segment on the difference between access points and extenders? No. I was under the impression that, <laughs> that an extender, although extends the single, cuts the bandwidth in half roughly. And then yeah. I was told otherwise. If someone has weak signal in one side of the building, what's the best way to get a strong signal on other side using Wi-Fi? Any tips on a home or a larger building like a small school type situation would be great. Thanks from Carlos. Cheap single band extenders generally cause a speed drop that's most noticeable when you're streaming video or moving huge files. To quote Wikipedia, since only one wireless device can transmit at once, wireless transmissions are doubled the router to the repeater and then the repeater to the client versus just the router to the client. So wireless throughput is reduced by at least 50%. So, you know, it's a decision, right? I can't get Wi-Fi in this corner of the house. I can get Wi-Fi at reduced speed if yeah. I put the extender in and look, dual band extenders can talk to the router on one band and your device is on the other. They don't cause quite the same problem. A wireless access point or a second router is a better idea, but you need to run ethernet cable to that WAP or router. Yeah. One way around the ethernet slash extender problem is going with power line networking, which you'll have to check the wiring layout in your building to make sure it'll work. Basically, it depends, if, it depends on how the circuits in the building diverge, and I don't want to okay. get into those weeds right now. <laughs> a really quick thought from David Murphy on thewirecutter.com. Uh, we had him on to talk about Wi-Fi routers a few weeks ago. He says, if you've been using the same wireless router for years, you should first try upgrading to a better one, like our best Wi-Fi router pick. A new 802.11ac router will have better range than your old router, and wireless AC gives you more bandwidth to start with uh, if you use it with wireless AC devices. Even if the new router's range is the same, your Wi-Fi will feel faster. Oh. Now, it's been funny. Like We, we first wrote it out on, on, on smallnetbuilder.com and did testing. 802.11ac can help a lot with 802.11n performance. As in, if I have an 802.11ac router, I don't hate 802.11n anymore. <laughs> um, because beam forming appears to do a lot to help with 802.11n, which doesn't make sense because you think you need 802.11ac at both ends, but trust me, in the field, a lot of people are running into 802.11ac router plus your old yep. n stuff equals better performance. You know, and before you do any of this, hey, if the school or the building or the warehouse has the router here, 
and the people who need to connect over on the other side of the warehouse here try to move the router to the middle. As silly as that sounds, it can make a big difference. Um, yeah, extenders are not the best way to go, mm -hmm. but they're often the only way to go. Uh, good recommendation for Wi-Fi extenders on the wire cutter. Uh, power line networking is something you should strongly look at if your building will allow it to pass amongst all of the places, because then you can put, it's just, it's, it's cool. And use an app like, uh, I believe it's called Wi-Fi Analyzer for Android. It lets mm -hmm. you look at the, the strength of your, your local network yeah. um, at different points in your household. So you can walk around and see which, which areas have the best strength and which ones don't. Mm -hmm. So you can optionally figure out where to put your router. And if you don't have that choice, if you actually need an extender, yeah, can be helpful. It can be amazingly helpful. Eka How Heat Mapper is really cool too. Yes. Heat Mapper. We'll Map put that link heat. in the show. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered that one. We'll be right back. Okay. You know, I'm a geek when I'm getting excited that we're almost up to 1,337 patrons on Patreon. That means we're almost late, yo. Sorry, I just had to say that. Shannon's working on her next patron-only build video. Hint, it involves Arduinos and skulls and pain, and you can only see it if you're supporting the show at patreon.com slash techthing. If you can't donate, no worries. Send us questions, tips, and please share the show with your friends and family, and give it our video the thumbs up on YouTube or receiving us in the iTunes store. It all helps, keeps us growing, so we can keep making tech thing for you each and every week. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Quick review, we generally don't review Kickstarter Indiegogo products. I should probably Projects. put this down before I well, actually... Products? Well, it's kind of funny. Like, a lot of times we get a lot of email like, you know, this particular... Check out my thing. Check out my thing. Actually, and I'm like, if it's cool, yeah, if you actually have one that you can send me, but generally they don't. Yeah. So it's I just usually don't. an idea, which is great. <laughs> I just don't even. I have $150 sitting on an idea that's over 22 weeks late at this point. Yeah, in any case, so, but if they will send us a physical product, we will check it out. Yeah, might as well. So this one is currently happening until 15 mm -hmm. days they have left. It's called the Pack Pod. It's pretty cute. It's, it says they have ninja feet for smartphones and GoPros. So it's a nice little travel to go with you type of tripod. So this is for adventurous people, for photography geeks that just like to use their smartphones or GoPros as they say. It's a tripod that's made to go pretty much wherever you want with stakes on it instead of feet so that you can nail it into walls, you can dig it into sand or dirt or mud or what have you. You can rope it onto a kayak or something like that. Or you can use it to try to strike gold like Patrick just did. Well it's funny, <laughs> well, they talk about like nailing the feet in but it, it, the pictures are interesting where they show it like on, sitting on the spikes. Yeah, they have it sitting on spikes, they have it kind of dug into, into like the side a of a sand side. dude. Yeah, so things like that. But you can rope it into things since it has holes on the feet as well. Uh, it can be positioned into pretty much any angle that you need. And the legs actually protrude out <laughs> all the way up. So you can pretty much set it upside down too. The unfortunate part is it only raises up to about 18 inches. So it's not very high. And it's also made out of plastic, which means that it's not as durable as some of the more expensive ones. And even some that are cheaper than this too. Costs 99 bucks. It's really, really lightweight. It's 15.5 ounces. The head on it does not tilt, unfortunately, so you have to depend on the legs to angle your camera, as you can see here. There's no tilt button. Hmm, kind of stinks. Just keep tilting things. You just keep <laughs> tilting things. Good Still, job. <laughs> you can fix that in post, right? It can deal with all the regular tripod mounts, and the pack pod will also have adapters available. So for 90, 99 bucks, for me, I think if I was planning to tack a tripod 
onto my kayak or some other adventurous thing, I would want something a little bit more durable, even though this one is waterproof and it's small, easy to well, nail to places. Plastic can be durable. My concern, I mean, okay, the can plastic and the feet, I'm a little worried about. My concern is what happens if you have a heavy camera? Because it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't. You can screw it in. You can okay. screw it in and these little, those little places right there will tighten. Screw it the other way. Um, Backwards. There you go. Ready, tidy, lefty, Lucy. Oh, that makes me feel much better. And now he's breaking all the. I'm not breaking teeth. it. I'm, well, okay. <laughs> Which I totally did when I first checked it out too. <laughs> In any case, <laughs> I'm less worried about heavy cameras making it go flat now. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in it, they have their Kickstarter going right now. Um, for myself, I'll probably stick with the I'm a noob and I don't know what I'm doing type of photography. Well, I don't know. Darren's <laughs> a big fan. This is the Slick SBH100DQ, um, which is a combination of steel and plastic that kind of pretends to be carbon fiber. But Just slightly heavier than that. Does not nail into places. Yeah, there's or no like there's that. no it's feet for nailing on tripod. this one. But, you, you, you but it's about 75 bucks for that one too, so. Okay. Lots so of considerations depending on what kind of audience or what kind of a consumer that you just happen to be. Uh, if you're not adventurous, this one's probably not for you. If you are, maybe you'll enjoy it. Check mm. it out. Packpod. 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 <laughs> Danny says, I look forward to each week's episode and have been a fan for a long time. I have a tech situation and I need your guidance. My overly priced Logitech Universal Remote has died. I want to upgrade. I would prefer to use my iPhone. I was thinking of using an IP to IR adapter and an app. My place has Hue lighting and I would like to have all of it work together. Do you have any recommendations for either adapter or app? Thanks for the help, Danny. Hmm. Okay, so the thing about iOS devices, um, I think pretty much all of them, is that they can send out those infrared signals that most of those different systems require. Right. So you have to get some kind of adapter for it. So I actually found a really good listing online over at AtMac, which is the assistive technology website to empower Apple users with disabilities. It's pretty cool. They have a listing of a whole bunch of different ones. The iRed plugs directly into your phone, so you still need line of sight. Uh, the SQ Blaster and SQ Remote do not plug directly into it, but the app costs a little bit more. Uh, $9.99 for the HD version, free for the light version, and so on and so forth. So there are several different mm -hmm. options for iOS devices out there. If you need an IR, I guess you could say like an IR blaster it's type. It's essentially an IR blaster. Yeah, type of thing. But you also found the new Logitech, which is pretty cool. Yeah, well, I, I've been using this in at home for a long time. Since you already are using Logitech's Harmony system and you have all of it set up already, did you know that the new hubs work with smartphones? You don't need to buy a new remote and you'll still get all the cool activity type interface, you know, where you plus Blu-ray and it, it changes the channel and puts oh, the thing and dims the lights. And, uh, and the Harmony Home Hubs, which are a little bit different from the regular Harmony Hubs, uh, are they include Zigbee and Z-Wave for some major home automation. But you can buy just the hub for $99 which will give you all the integrated features you probably like from Logitech Harmony, but without having to spend $140 to $300 yeah. for an actual physical remote. I use the hub with the Ultimate remote mm -hmm. back at home. I've been using it for several years. I've had a few hiccups, but for the most part, it's awesome. Yeah, if you have awesome. children, the Harmony automation can make life so much, or, or, or if you have a person, it's just, we went from six remotes to one. It can make life wonderful. I'm never going back. You know what else is wonderful other than otters, which Watching. you can swim with in the water? Yeah, oh, I should point so out that, that you, I don't think it's legal to own an otter in the United States. Probably not. Maybe they were otter rescue. Maybe. It's a YouTube video. There's a link in yeah, the show notes. Yeah, we were looking at otters before the show. But Once another thing you can do 
If you're feeling way too computerized, computerized, computerified. Computerific? <laughs> Computer saturated? <laughs> just, just throw your laptop out the window. Just kidding, don't do that. Close your laptop, do something analog, like go to a local pumpkin patch, because there's pumpkin patches everywhere. My and there's corn mazes and haunted houses for Halloween. And all sorts of awesome things. Did you know that Tristan, and my youngest child, is, is at a pumpkin patch with his preschool class right now? Aww. Yeah, it's totes and dorbs. Totes. totes. Did you really just say adorbs? I did. Z-O-M-G, I said totes and dorbs. I'm Patrick Norton. I'm Shannon Morris. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. Totes! It was, look, I'll show you the picture. <laughs> You've never heard me say that before? Never heard you say types of dorbs. Are you gonna go get a pumpkin spice frappuccino now? Okay, first of all, this because is- apparently so basic. This is me dropping him off at, at preschool this Aww. morning. He looks excited. A child so adorable, even Thank you, Shannon. everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For being our patrons. I'm going to turn my backyard into a bounce house. That looks awesome. Small children, bounce houses, perfect together. Awesome. Show it to you in just a second, sir. My <laughs> oldest child is sitting under a table, hiding in the darkness, reading. We put him to work. He's Not really. so much like his parents. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you everyone for watching the show today. We hope you loved it and we'll see you next week because you guys are awesome. Facebook.com slash tech thing. I'm going to go to a pumpkin pet. At tech thing on Twitter. Techthing.com. I'm going to light up my pumpkin. Oh, the pumpkins. Ask at Techthing.com. I want some pumpkin spice. Basic. Are you part of the pumpkin spice latte cult? <laughs> otter lust. And so basically, the best day for you ever is holding an otter while drinking a pumpkin spice latte. Oh my gosh. It's a great idea. <laughs>